Our gospel reading this morning is from John chapter 20. I'll be reading verses 19 through 31. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. This is the word of the Lord. Last night, Mark and I went to dinner and then went for a walk down by Hermosa Beach and came home, and I was still not quite tired, ready for bed, and I said, let's, let's watch something on Netflix. And it was probably a mistake, but the thing that I thought I would watch, uh, which was not Mark's choice, uh, <laughs> was Brene Brown's special on, uh, on Netflix. She, they recorded one of her lectures. Those of you who don't know who Brene Brown is, she is a, a sociologist, a social worker, a professor at the University of Houston, and she does research on shame and on vulnerability and on courage. And her TED Talk is like the most watched TED Talk in the world. You can go home and Google that today preferably not right now. Um, And uh, she talks a lot about um, in order to be brave, in order to be courageous, we have to be vulnerable. We have to be willing to to risk in order for brave and courageous things to happen. And we have to know that in risking that we may indeed fail, but that we, if we want to be people of courage have to risk that anyway. So, like I said, it's probably a mistake that I watched that on Saturday night as I prepare to preach on Sunday morning. I was, when I, when I watched it, I was thinking about the disciples and the fear that they were feeling. And then, of course, it started to turn personal because I started to think 
about my life and particularly about this last week. It has been a really difficult week. It's been, as a pastor in this congregation, difficult, as I have been learning more and more about some of the tensions that have been bubbling, some of the emails that have been circling, circling, some of the rumors, some of the the stuff, and thus I sent an email to the congregation, and it continued, and that was hard, because I have, it's just been hard. And in the middle of that, on, on Tuesday, I was in my office when I got a text from a family, I did a funeral here a week ago Tuesday, so now 12 days ago, here for a woman who died rather suddenly. Uh, she was about 82, I think. And I did a funeral and got a text from the daughter on Tuesday to give her a call if I could, and I called her. And her father had died by suicide that morning. And you can imagine, I mean, just in the, the very real and present grief of losing her mother, to lose her father the week after she buried her mother. Devastating, obviously. And the questions and the anger and sense of betrayal mixed in with all of the grief and what did we miss and all of that sorrow. And so I spent a lot of time with that family this week. And, and then on Friday, we heard news from our Supreme Court of the United Methodist Church that much of the legislation at the General Conference was uh, around LGBTQ issues was overturned and some of it was upheld. And I knew that that was going to also create more fear and uncertainty, both within this congregation, within other congregations, within all of my clergy colleagues, about what this will mean for the church. What will this mean for Mark Sturgis, our former pastor here? What will this mean for our denomination? Yesterday I, morning, I was at a meeting for the district, um, and our bishop was there. And it seems obvious to most everybody that a new United Methodist Church will be forming. It may not be called the United Methodist Church, it'll be something else, but we have to break free from this conversation so that we can do God's work. But there's a lot of fear and a lot of pain, and a lot of uncertainty. And then I thought about the disciples. It was indeed on an Easter Sunday, the Easter Sunday, the very first Easter Sunday, that they were in fear. They didn't know what had happened to Jesus, but they knew as his disciples that the same authorities that went after Jesus could go after them. And so they went and they hid in a house. We don't know what house. They hid in a house and waited. I don't know what they thought they were waiting for. Sometimes it seems easier to have inaction than action in a time of, of fear. And so they, they went and just hid and, and Jesus comes among them. 
and he does something very strange. It's not so strange when you think about the biblical story. You know, the very first thing that God does in creating humanity is God breathes on them. And in Hebrew, it's the word ruach. It's the word for breath. And indeed, that is the breath of life that initiates all of our lives, really. It was somebody patting us on the back, and life begins. The breath of God. And Jesus comes among his very fearful disciples, and he breathes on them. I almost thought about having you breathe on one another, but I thought that could be a little touchy. <laughs> might be a little weird. But you know what that is to feel the breath. If any of you have ever had the privilege of being with somebody in their death, you know that very pronounced difference when the chest fails to rise and fall. Breath, life has left the body. And so Jesus breathes into them and he says, be at peace. I am with you. He breathes on them and comforts them in their fear and in their anxiety and in the uncertainties. And he tells them to forgive others as he has forgiven. But Thomas was not there. Thomas was somewhere else. We don't know where. And so when he comes back and the disciples tell them, oh my goodness, you're not going to believe this, we saw Jesus and he breathed on us. Thomas doubted. He doubted his friends. He questioned their sanity, and you can't really doubt, you can't really fault him for that. That's a weird thing, you know. If you told me that somebody who had died had come back and been among them, they, he doubted. And I think sometimes the church has been hard on Thomas for doubting, but Jesus wasn't hard on Thomas for doubting. Jesus, a week later, so, I don't know, putting it on our timeline, a week later, we are a week from Easter, that evening, Jesus comes to, back to the disciples, and he goes right to Thomas, and he says, touch my hands, touch my feet, I'm here. And in this, Thomas confesses, my Lord and my God. Thomas believes. And then we have this, this admonition about blessed are those who have seen and not yet believed, because that's all of us. Most of us, probably. I don't think any of us here have had a, had a physical experience of, of the risen Christ. We may have hopefully had a spiritual experience of the risen Christ, but we are all people who are asked to believe without having seen and touched and felt. And it is in these words that then Jesus sends them out, out from this place, out to share the good news of a risen Christ those fears and doubts and uncertainties, those anxieties that hold us back. 
are unnecessary. They do not benefit the body of Christ. Jesus calls Thomas and he calls all of us, come and see and believe and then go. Hiding in rooms of fear will not serve you. They will not serve the church and God knows the world needs a a sign of good news and hope in the world. It is a time in the church that I think of as this time here for the disciples. It was a time of waiting, of being in between. It wasn't yet Easter had happened and they were still trying to make sense of that, but the Holy Spirit had not yet come on Pentecost and they were waiting in between. They were in this, this liminal time. I remember reading a study years ago. I wish I could find it because I've thought about it so often. It was uh, an article about um, liminality, which is this weird word for in-between times, in-between spaces. And they talked about how when people feel um, anxious or uncertain, they become more emotional. And the, the example they used, they were talking about how on airplanes that people will watch a movie and they're more likely to weep at the movie uh, than they would if they watched it on the ground. Because they said there's something about that liminal space of flying. We don't really understand why it is that we get in this metal tube and go, you know, 700 miles an hour at 38,000 feet and land somewhere else. We don't understand that. We're in a liminal space. And so we're a little bit more emotional. Or people write long letters to loved ones. Or they they do these things. And, of course, if any of you have ever been at the airport and you've seen, like, a, a, a passenger explode at some poor person working at the ticket counter... You know that people are anxious in that space. They don't always, uh, doesn't always call forth the best in them. And I think for the disciples, that time was a time of liminality, a time of uncertainty. Things were not yet clear. In fact, things are never clear. And yet we live into this gospel message. And Jesus was saying, I'm going to be with you. I promise I will be with you. No matter what happens, I will be with you. Know that I am with you. You can touch me. You can feel me. I am with you. It's the same thing he said to them when he was alive and just even a few nights before on the Last Supper. It's the same thing. My peace I give to you. We here in the United Methodist Church are in a liminal time. It makes me very uncomfortable. It makes me very nervous. I've been a United Methodist for, for my entire life. And I vowed <laughs> to lead in the United Methodist Church for the rest of my life. I'm an ordained elder in the church. And we don't know yet what will become of the United Methodist Church. We, we, we certainly know that in the next year, major, major, major changes are happening in the church. It's without question. It's not up to us. That will happen. That is certain. 
And so we have to live into this tension and we have to sort of manage the strain of that. And we have to try to do so with grace and with faith and in confidence that God will lead us forward and God will be present with us as God has always been present with the church. And it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable for those who wish that the church would, would keep its current stance on homosexuality, and it's uncomfortable for those who would wish that the church would move uh, in a different direction with that. It's uncomfortable for all of us. And so we are in this place where we have to figure out how to live together, how to be the body of Christ in a place of liminality, in a place where there is uncertainty and anxiety and there is fear. And that's true in the church and it's true in the world. It's true everywhere we go. We live in very anxious times. What I know and what I am committed to is that the gospel of Jesus Christ is for everybody and that the kingdom of God is for everybody and that the church of Jesus Christ is for everybody. And I'm going to live with that bold faith and confidence because that's what I feel called to do. And I'm going to be praying and working within our denomination for that, and I'm going to be working within our congregation that we would hold together under a vision of the gospel, that we would not be bound by fear, but that we would be led by grace and peace and hope. It is a vulnerable time and a time that calls for great courage the courage to be transformed by the good news of Jesus Christ, the courage to step forth in faith even when we don't know what will be, the courage to risk standing up for one another. I pray that we do so with grace. I pray that we do that with a word of peace for one another, that we do so in a way that allows us to be courageous and grace-filled in the way that we live out our deep calling in Christ, that Christ would always be the center of everything that we do. I pray that with the disciples in the upper room, Christ will continue to lead us forward will continue to give us a word of peace, will continue to call us out of our fear and into the world that we might proclaim the good news. Let us pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks that you are a God that is always with us, that you are a God that calls us to be faithful to the good news of Jesus Christ. And that even when we are caught in our own fears, in our own doubts, our own disbeliefs, just our own pride, God, that you call us forward and out of ourselves. You are a God that brings forth healing in the midst of hurt and despair 
You are a God that brings forth life even from the darkest tombs. You are a God that is with us in life and in death and in life beyond death. And so, God, we ask that you walk this road with us, that you guide us and lead us, guide us as individual disciples, people who would seek to live into the grace and love of Jesus Christ, and that you would call us as a congregation and a denomination to bear witness to your love and grace. Guide us forward and give us a vision. For we ask it in the name of our risen Christ. Amen.